0: I'm sure you've heard of Ouija boards, but do you know where they came from, how they were invented, or what their purpose was? Today, we explore all of that as we take a look at the fascinating history of these mysterious devices. We'll also discuss their consistent rise in popularity, the scientific theories behind it, and close out with some creepy stories stemming from the use of Ouija boards. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. With spirits, history, demons, and death,
1: stick around. This episode will not leave you Ouija board. This is Necronomapod. It uh, does not seem terribly interested to talk about the board. They continue to manufacture it, but last time I went on their website, they didn't post a history of the Ouija board, even though they have histories for Twister and the Game of Life and other very storied products that they sell. Uh, people are scared of Ouija. They don't want to attract boycotts from the Christian right. They don't want to attract somebody who's gonna commit some kind of a crime and claim, well, the Ouija board told me to do it. That's part of its history. We never seem to have been able to digest the Ouija board because it, it is an object from the age of spiritualism that has made it into slumber parties and basements and toy rooms all across the country. And yet there's this very frightening and weird urban mythology around the Ouija board. Ask anyone. So, Mike. How have the past two weeks been for you as the Necronomipod social media manager?
0: Uh, Pretty easy. Why do you ask?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I heard rumblings that there may have been some unhappy Michael Jackson fans (laughs) on the Twitter this week.
0: Uh, I think it's safe to say, guys, we've made it.
1: (laughs) We've made it. I did a little perusing of our Twitter account. There were some... uh,
0: Interesting things going on this week. So it got to the point where like people were just being so nonsensical and trying to maintain some professionalism. I just muted everybody that would like tweet something shitty. So I probably missed yeah. a lot of tweets. Okay. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, but it also makes me feel good because those people think that they're like, they're, like roasting us or, <laughs> or trying to like hit us with facts and they're literally talking to air facts, bitch. Yeah. Hey, do you even square one? <laughs> because apparently that is the greatest movie of all time. Apparently square one on Amazon prime.
1: It it debunked everything ever said bad about Michael Jackson in the history of Michael
0: Jackson. Mm -hmm. Literally no one has ever heard of square one except for 14 people (laughs) who run their own. They have Twitter (laughs) accounts dedicated to defending Michael Jackson. They do Twitter accounts. It was dedicated to defending (laughs) Michael Jackson and they search hashtags and they search tweets yeah, And then they attack. They did. And in all fairness, we had one misworded tweet that I put out. Got my timelines mixed up because we recorded ahead. There was actually charges filed in the 2005 case. Not back in 1993. Those were just allegations. We corrected that and apologized. They ignored that because why let facts get in the way of your agenda? They you didn't know, want to your hear agenda. it. Didn't like your apology. No, it wasn't even just didn't want to hear it from what I saw. It was... I got people retweeting, ignoring that, just going back on our main point. Sure. sure. And I want to be like, motherfucker, we corrected this. (laughs) But I'm trying to be professional and, you know, didn't say that. So I didn't really respond to too many people. But I felt bad for you. I I was laughing a lot, but I still felt bad for you. (laughs) I honestly, after the first two days, I didn't see anything. So literally, I think those people might be still commenting. We are not seeing any of it. And I just want them to know you are literally bitching to nobody. But I feel like it's that meme from South Park where, I don't know, it's the one dude's dad where there's cum all over the place. Like, you know, he's at the computer. (laughs) Do you guys know what I'm talking about?
1: yeah yeah I think so
0: I yeah. feel like that's what they look like when they're <laughs> arguing and like they get they, they're allowed to get angry at people like they see someone posting bad about Michael Jackson like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> how's that go Dave <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what they get like when when they see someone commenting about uh, Michael Jackson in any negative like it got to the point where they were dissecting the photos that we used for our posts mm-hmm. as to how we were manipulating it to for people to believe our narrative wow I literally spend four seconds a day looking for a photo to post. (laughs) I Google search a photo. I find one that fits my need and I post it. The fact that they think I'm photoshopping. They actually thought I cropped a photo of Michael Jordan and Jordan Chandler to just show them to and keep Jordan Chandler's family out of it. Right motherfuckers i wish i had that kind of time mike your photoshop skills are legendary they really are have you ever opened photoshop (laughs) don't even know what like is that an app like i know photoshop's a thing but like i wouldn't even know how to get it does mike does that come in a microsoft package (laughs) it's a that's adobe oh see well i'm a dummy so i don't know how to work adobe uh yeah like they were breaking down things that we posted and they were so angry about him. They were, they were so angry that I used the photo of Michael Jackson holding his baby over a balcony. Motherfuckers, I can assure you I did not Photoshop that. One. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I that's the TV. real deal. And, you know, go ahead and defend that. We're not going to listen and we're not going to look Damn. at it. But go ahead and talk to thin air on Twitter. I so,
1: told you guys this wouldn't be a good idea. You had to have your Michael Jackson episode. I hope you're
0: talking to the listeners on that one. Because they're the ones who demanded it and we put up with that shit. I told you. And I put it off for a year, and this is why. And as much as they tried to discredit us, the downloads kept coming and coming and coming. Like we were at a just like Peter
2: Curtin, right? Boom. (laughs) The thing is, is that specifically me, my opinions of it, were very lenient on Michael. Very.
0: I think we all were, were we not?
2: I mean, I came down on the fact that I didn't think that he actually molested Jordan Chandler or Gavin Arviso, so I just said I think there was some fishy stuff going on there, or something happening. But yeah. I thought that those ones were for for money. So yeah, look, the guy slept with little kids. I mean,
0: does, you're not—he. I believe th- Dave. You know. They will tell you that's not true. I believe that's what they'll tell you, well. dude. Square one, motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, but How dare Culkin you speak? said it. How dare Macaulay you all? Macaulay s- said that. Has Macaulay Culkin watched Square old. One, Ian? Has Macaulay Culkin <laughs> watched Square One? Because
2: <laughs> if he hasn't, I mean, he can't speak on the subject. He lived it in real life. He slept in the fucking <laughs> same bed as him. He said it on, under oath. Yeah, but man, I hashtag Square One. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty ridiculous.
1: In all seriousness,
2: though, we did get
1: one review on iTunes that I I, I, I think kind of perturbed me a little bit. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, although it was This a, one really tickled your taint <laughs> eh, You know the other stuff was silly But this one it was titled really and But they did give us five stars They're going to take that back Probably because they didn't realize how to leave a one star <laughs> And I quote Grown men giggling and making fun of Michael Jackson We all know That whole ordeal was a train wreck But the guy speaking in a soft effeminate voice Was just disgusting That would That would be me they're talking about Yeah Well, and I think the implication there is that I was doing some sort of gay mockery act, you know, voice with lisps and stuff, which I absolutely did not. So that's why I just I take offense at that that review. I agree. If Michael Jackson had a deep voice, I would have done a deep voice impersonation of him. I wasn't lispy or any kind of affectuation, you know, that sort of thing. If Michael Jackson sounded like Barney. I would have said, Hello, my (laughs) friends, go ahead and spread your anus. (laughs) That's how Michael Jackson talked, right? Uh, Yeah. Michael Jackson talked. Yeah. If Michael Jackson talked like John
2: Wayne, I would have said, Hey there, Pilgrim, spread your
1: anus and I'll make you famous.
2: (laughs) So, Uh, you know, and usually I don't do stuff like this or I've never done it on this show before, but since we're talking about this review, uh, this person also said that. They are the same age as Michael Jackson, so I pretty much knew him through his many stages. Now, by that logic, that means every celebrity that is 33 years old, I also know them personally, and I know that they're innocent or what they do in yeah, their lives. Right. Yeah, right. That's just <laughs> ridiculous, moronic. Yeah, we brought out some some interesting people. This we
0: finally did it though. Like we thought it was going to be Scientology. It not at all. We thought it was going to be flat earthers. Not really anything. Fucking gang stalking snuck up on us, yeah. and they kind of came out of the woodwork. John Monet we just had like a couple weirdos on Twi- on YouTube, but it was this one, and it wasn't even until week two that got that people caught on. Yeah, and it was because one of our listeners mentioned something about um, what would the the Neverland, whatever that gimmick was, because they they thought that that whatever the, the documentary Finding Neverland leaving leaving Neverland, that's yeah. it. See, we don't even know what the fuck it is because we really don't pay that much attention to all of this. <laughs> Nor do we Shit. give a fuck. Like we we did not let Leaving Neverland dictate our entire two series, uh two shows on on this the no. series. But somebody mentioned that and then one of those MJ Innocent uh people caught on and blew up and then they started searching our timeline. Sure, sure, and then sure. You know, I don't, and the other problem is, I don't think anyone actually listened to the show. No, none of them did. Or if they did, they got butt hurt over stupid things like Dave's impression. Like my impression. Well, yeah, this person listened to the show and they didn't like it. Yeah. Sorry. Like, of
1: all the reviews we've ever gotten over the past two years, this one just irked me because that's absolutely not what I was doing at all. And just to my LGBTQ homies out there, of which many are in our audience, I always have your back. I would never make jokes like that. Yeah, it's just, it's just
0: moronic. It's baseless. What's this person's name? No, no, no. no.
1: Shell Ray. You can go fuck yourself with this review.
0: (laughs) Well, there was also (laughs) someone who was calling us out, I think, on Twitter. And then, like, they were one of the early ones. And then I went to respond to them. And their account, like, got restricted by Twitter (laughs) for posting, like, questionable stuff. So, fuck you. Thank you. Goodbye. There you go. Boom. Anyways, moving on to other things. Ian, we have been getting a ton of questions and inquiries about the promised land series so you got any updates on that one
2: so we had the whole hiccup with COVID happening oh you mean that little hiccup yeah <laughs> COVID never heard of her <laughs> yeah and then uh it, just life got got a little crazy um i don't know just been an intense year or so but it's, it's still being worked on it's still coming out um So there's no timeline set
0: right now, but it is still
2: in the works. I I would say if I had to ballpark it right now, I would say sometime in December, January, it'll episodes will start coming out for twenty twenty two worked on Twenty twenty two (laughs) you're talking about, Ian? Yeah. Twenty twenty one 2025.
0: (laughs) So we're still we're still still, coming out. Yeah, it is still in the work works. Ian's working on it. Just got sidetracked, so um, you know we'll, and, it also, and we'll keep people um, posted
2: too we'll let them know like when there's going to be like a release date set yeah for sure and i got um i actually got an email from the jonestown institute the other day about some new freedom of information act hmm. documents about like the military's response to the the like the cleanup and all the and the, just the whole like military response to jonestown interesting. So i want to read through that stuff and Maybe there'll be some stuff that we can, that I can add to that. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's still being worked on. I still read my Jonestown stuff all the time on the side. So there you go. There's the updates. Stop fucking tweeting me about it. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh,
0: last thing we got koozies. We did. Finally, I'm drinking out of one right now. It makes the beer taste extra delicious. (laughs) Uh, available at necronomapod.com under the merch tab, the same place you get your stickers. We got koozies available. Uh, it's all, there's just one design. It's got the, uh, the necronomapod logo on one side and on the bottom. And then the sweet skull beer bottle logo on the other side designed by listener Alex, who, uh, was kind enough to let us use that logo um so those are available you can buy them a single you can buy them in a three pack or you can get a a koozie sticker combination uh all available at necronomapod.com uh guaranteed to make a beer taste better that guaranteed is backed by nobody (laughs) (laughs) good to know mike good to know (laughs) let's get to it it's october it's a creepy month it's
2: scary ian what do we got tonight we are going to be talking about ouija boards I would assume that everybody listening knows what a Ouija board is, but it's also known as a spirit board or a talking board. It's a flat board marked with the letters of the alphabet, the numbers zero through nine, the words yes, no, and occasionally hello and goodbye, along with various symbols and graphics. It uses a planchette, which is a small heart-shaped piece of wood or plastic as a movable indicator to spell out messages during a seance. People place their fingers on the planchette and it's moved about the board to spell out words. Did you know the Beatles wrote uh, wrote their
1: famous song while they were doing the Ouija board? Like, I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello, hello, hello. I don't know. No. I'm just making that That's interesting. Oh. <laughs> it's not true. Oh. It's <laughs> like,
0: wait, is he being <laughs> truthful. I don't know why you
1: say goodbye. I say hello,
0: hello, hello. <laughs> Good one, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to leave you a shitty review now, too. <laughs> I just saw
1: goodbye and hello. That's what popped in my head. Sorry, man. Fuck off.
2: According to Ouija historian Robert Murch, who has been researching the history of the Ouija board since 1992, he said that when he started this, no one really there wasn't anything concrete put down about the origins of it. Like no one had compiled this stuff. He was the first one to do it. As he dug into his research, he found that the Ouija board came out of the American 19th century obsession with spiritualism and the belief that the dead are able to communicate with the living.
0: I believe we just covered this on our most recent uh, bonus show on Patreon. That's true. The spiritualism yeah. of the 19th century. We, we covered a little
2: bit of that in our show on the uh, Amherst poltergeist. And it makes sense that it would come out of this period. Spiritualism, which had been around for years in Europe, became popular in America in 1848 with the sudden popularity of the Fox sisters of New York. The Fox sisters claimed to receive messages from spirits who knocked on the walls to answer questions, and they traveled around recreating this channeling of spirits in parlors across New York. Spiritualism worked for Americans in the second half of the 19th century because it was an acceptable activity to contact spirits at seances through automatic writing turn or table turning parties in which participants would place their hands on a small table and watch it begin to shake and rattle while they all said that they weren't moving it kind of like the philip experiment we uh
1: i was just gonna say that yeah yeah
2: Yeah. well that that video the philip experiment the table rolling
1: around the room is just absolutely ridiculous was that in our zozo episode yeah yeah
2: Yeah. everyone's like oh we created philip and he's rolling the table around the room The movement also offered comfort in a time when the average lifespan was less than 50. Women died in childbirth, children died of diseases, and men died at war.
1: I mean, it wasn't the greatest time to be alive, I guess, right? Probably not, no. And there's a lot of great, you know, hoax stories from back in those days with the spiritualism, like with the sisters you just mentioned, when the knocking. I mean, how hard is it to make knocks,
2: you know? So it's pretty easy to fool people. You know,
1: you got someone knocking behind the wall.
2: And I think it's pretty much well documented that the Fox sisters were faking this. Yeah, of course. I mean, this was like a traveling show with them. They're the Vince Vince McMahons of poltergeist. Mary Todd Lincoln, wife of Abraham Lincoln, conducted seances in the White House after their 11-year-old son died of a fever in 1862. During the Civil War, spiritualism gained many believers with people that were desperate to contact loved ones who had died in the war. As spiritualism grew in American culture, so did frustration with how long it took to get any meaningful message out of spirits. Calling out the alphabet and waiting for a knock at the right letter, for example, was extremely boring. Can you you imagine? You're
1: like, (laughs) A, B, C.
0: Oh, all right, C, (laughs) A. Like, you'd be sitting there for 12 hours, right? I also like that they're fucking allegedly communicating with a spirit and they're like, oh, this is boring. (laughs) Motherfucker, take what you can get. Like, you're communicating with a spirit. But you're, oh, this is too boring. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. This is
1: boring to well, you. Well, look, you want to sit there all day like that? I don't no, know. It's no. boring to me. But
0: I wouldn't show up to one of these spiritual spirit communication sessions. Yeah, I, anyways. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you're communicating with the spirit, allegedly. And you're, you're saying, oh, this all is right. not entertaining all enough right. for good me. Good point. Good point. Go watch fucking Real Housewives or something.
2: <laughs> I thought of it just as like a good example of how early on the American way is like, I'm fucking bored with this. We need to, we need to get this. We need to amp this This, up a bit. This isn't stimulating enough for
0: me. Let's move on. Come on. How can we make this quicker? I don't have time for these spirits. Can they, can they, can they work on my schedule, please?
2: People were searching for methods of communication that would be quicker. And while several entrepreneurs realized that it was the Kenner novelty company that really nailed it. In 1886, the Fledging Associated Press reported on a new phenomenon taking over spiritualist groups in Ohio, which was the talking board.
1: Hometown, uh, home state hero, guys. Right? Yep. Whoop, whoop. All great things come from Ohio. Stoplights, Superman, Stadium Mustard. Like, there's all kinds of cool stuff that oh, came from Ohio. Stadium Nine, Mustard. Stadium Mustard. So good. Nine Inch Nails. All good things come from Ohio. Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. Dave Grohl's from Ohio? From Warren.
0: Is he really? He born in Warren. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Maynard's from here, too. See? I think I'm trying to convince myself. I think everything good is from Ohio. I, it, it absolutely <laughs> is. Necronomopause
2: from Ohio. See? We just proved it.
0: Yeah. Point made.
1: Sorry,
2: Ian. Go on. Charles Kennard of Baltimore, Maryland, read the article and jumped on the opportunity. In 1890, he pulled together a group of four other investors, including Elijah Bond, a local attorney, Colonel Washington Bowie, and a surveyor to start the Kenner Novelty Company to exclusively make and market these talking boards. The only issue they had was they didn't have a name for the board.
1: Mm. That guy hailed from uh, Jim Bowie, famous Bowie knife. Died at the uh, Alamo. Really? Yeah.
0: I did a little research myself. How about that? Yeah, you still can't write an episode. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days I will. Yeah. Dave's vulnerable the night after that <laughs> review, so I'm just picking on him.
2: <laughs> He's showing his first signs of vulnerability after two years of doing this show. Contrary to popular belief, Ouija is not a combination of the French word for yes, which is we, oui, and German, ja. Ja. Merch says... Ja. We. Oui. Ja. Oui. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's so stupid! <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God.
2: Merch says that based on his research, it was Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, who came up with the name. Sitting around the table, she asked the board what they should call it, and the name Ouija came through. When she asked what it meant, the board replied, good luck.
1: No shit. Why is it pronounced Ouija and not Ouija? Riddle uh, me that, Ian. I don't know. Huh, Am I pronouncing it wrong? I don't is know. Is anybody
2: pronouncing it wrong?
1: Uh, well, if, you, if you're pronouncing it wrong, we all are. So that's how I've grown up hearing it is Ouija, but it has an A. So why would that yeah. be? Because <laughs> we make up things stupidly here
0: in America.
1: Well, that's true. It's just a made up <laughs> word, right? It doesn't really mean good luck. It doesn't mean anything.
2: No, yeah, Correct. It means something.
1: Which is very interesting because I always thought it had traced its lineage back to some interesting, you know, fucking Celtic, high priest. High Priest magic type stuff Or at nope. least Aleister Crowley Something cool It's a fucking board nope. game day <laughs> Fucking American nonsense From the 8th to 19th century
0: God, America ruins everything It's just I Most it, things I, I thought mean, it was cool We did do a good job Stopping, you know, Nazis and stuff but. but Yeah, we were good at that Yeah, we didn't ruin that So it's just
1: made up Like I thought it had A cool history or something It's like fucking uh, we're,
0: ru- huh. we're ruining people's
1: Like <laughs> yeah, stories is terrible This is not a good mm-hmm. story Like It's like Haagen-Dazs ice cream. like I always thought that was a fancy you know, European-Dutch fucking... No, some guy made it up. He thought it sounded foreign and people would like it and he could charge more. Haagen-Dazs. Well, you know what? He's right. It doesn't even mean anything. He's right, though. People buy that (laughs) shit. Yeah, it worked because Americans are idiots. (laughs) Yeah, but that Haagen-Dazs thing, when I saw that, I'm like, are you
0: fucking kidding me? That's crazy. I I didn't know that. was some
1: high-end fucking Dutch or something. Nope. Nope. American They're like Americans the Hagen-Dazs they'll pay double for that. What is this
0: Hagen-Daze? What is this Hagen-Daze ice cream? I'll have some of that. Give me some of that caramel. I'm a fancy boy now. I eat hagen Days. Hey, Cletus. Cletus, you try some of this Hagen-Daze. <laughs> this is much better than that soufflé shit we get from Paris. <laughs> You know who
1: dethroned uh, Hagen Days, <laughs> Ben and Jerry, the greatest ice cream known to man.
2: So once the name was decided on, they knew that they couldn't if they couldn't prove that the board worked, they wouldn't get a patent. Bond brought Helen Peters to the patent office in Washington with him when he filed his application. There, the chief patent officer requested a demonstration if the board could accurately spell out his name, which was supposed to be unknown to Bond and Peters he'd allow the patent application to proceed. They all sat down, communicated with the spirits, and the planchette correctly spelled out the patent officer's name, whether or not it was mystical spirits or the fact that Bond, as a patent attorney, may have just known this guy's name. It's unclear. But on February 10th, 1891, a patent was issued for the Ouija board. That's how our trademark for Necronomapod got approved. Same exact
1: way? Yeah, our attorney flew there with a Ouija board and... uh... (laughs) <laughs> spelled necronom pod and yep. got approved
0: boom our dongs arose from the board and the guy was like oh that's got to be true these guys must be sponsored by Chew. and we were like nope that's all- natural
2: <laughs> the first patent offers no explanation as to how the board works it just says it does By 1892, the Kenner Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two in Baltimore, two in New York, two in Chicago, and one in London. And by 1893, Kenner and Bond were out of the company due to some internal issues and arguments about money. By this time, a guy named William Fold, who had gotten into the fledging company as an employee and stockholder, was now running the company.
1: So fledgling, it wasn't doing very good off the top. Then
2: they probably struggled. Yeah, I mean they had a ton of success with this, but it was the, uh, it was a lot of infighting and, yeah, and money yeah. stuff. Like people were getting greedy with money and good just, idea, bad management. Yeah, it's a curse.
0: I hate to see it happen. <laughs> Not with cooldown media though. Well, thus far, come it on, runs like a charm. We just got
2: through our toughest <laughs> two weeks in the history of this show, Dave. Let's, <laughs> let's we'll see what happens here. In 1898, with the approval of Colonel Bowie, the majority shareholder and one of two remaining original investors, Fold licensed the exclusive rights to make the board. What followed were boom years for Fold and frustration for some men who had been in on the Ouija board from the beginning. Public fighting over who'd really invented it played out in the pages of the Baltimore Sun, while rival boards were were started and, and failed. In 1919, Bowie sold the remaining business interests in Ouija to fold for $1. Damn, how about that? That's interesting.
0: $1.
2: In fact, you just want it out. Apparently. The board's instant and now prolonged success showed that it tapped into a weird place in American culture. It was marketed as both mystical oracle and as family entertainment. This meant it wasn't only spiritualists who bought the board actually... The people who disliked the Ouija board the most were spiritual mediums because their job as a spiritual middleman was pretty much unneeded at this point. If anybody could just buy one of these and talk to talk to spirits. Right. Replaced by a game out of business by a piece of cardboard.
0: (laughs) Right. I mean, come on. (laughs) The day a piece of cardboard can take over my job for me. I'll just walk away. Is that it? We'll we'll buy you out for a dollar. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Ain't going to happen. (laughs) <laughs> cardboard and got this wit. <laughs> so I'm gonna
1: do a cardboard cutout. I'm gonna put your face on it, and I'm gonna sit it in a chair right here for next week. And we'll oh, just use the soundboard. Yeah, you will we'll see, see how it how works. My greatest hits. I'm gonna interview you with sound cuts, and we'll
2: see. Mike, what is your favorite thing in the world? I'll just play the wet ass pussy. Oh, I thought clip. You were play something. I don't have it. During the Great Depression, the fold company opened new factories to meet demand for the boards. Over five months in 1944, a single New York department store sold 50,000 of them. Fuck. It, in 1967, the year after Parker Brothers bought the game from the Fold Company, two million boards were sold, outselling Monopoly. Wow. That's huge. Interesting thing I read about that year, too, is because the Vietnam War was going on. Like this merch guy that researched this and, and other people. Um, we're attributing the sales of, of the Ouija boards to guys dying in Vietnam. Oh, my God. That's
0: that's very sad. That is awful. Well, and like we said earlier, it was Ugh. a lot of this stemmed from the Civil War, too, when people were dying. Sure, sure, sure. Or was that last episode?
2: No. I'm mixing up my uh-huh. episodes. Just now. <laughs> just just now. This was like
0: 10 minutes ago. Yeah. You did. I'm sorry. All right. I'm getting my poltergeist episode mixed up because it's the same timeline. So I guess when the war, like, you know, when when young men are dying over there, the families want kind of some closure. Of course. The same as
1: it's always been. Sure. I mean, it was always the original intent of these things, whether it's spiritualism or board games or whatever it is. Right. What's your favorite board game? Mm.
0: I do like Monopoly. Clue is also fun. Clue is always a fun game. I also was a fan of Connect Four. I don't know if it's on a board game, Connect but Connect Four is fun. fun. Yeah. I'm going to go with those three. All right. Those are good. Ian. Monopoly. Monopoly is fun. It's a classic. It's just like, it's a time consumer. Like you got to sit, you got to prepare yourself for a couple hours. Yeah. But I always like risk. I don't know if I ever really played risk.
1: Risk, risk is, is the best. Mm. Or Balderdash. That's a fun game.
0: I don't know if I played that. I, no, I've played Balderdash. That's
1: where you got to write fake definitions and try to fool people yeah. into picking yours. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's fun. People are gullible. <laughs> stupid people let's capitalize on them so like lots of things in america and and with like the paranormal and different things like that when the exorcist came out in theaters in 1973 kind of changed the game for everything and the implication that 12 year old reagan was possessed by a demon after playing with a ouija board by herself changed how people saw the board Merch said, quote, it's kind of like Psycho. No one was afraid of showers until that scene. It's a clear line. Before The Exorcist, film and TV depictions of the Ouija board were usually jokey, hokey, and silly. I Love Lucy, for example, featured a 1951 episode in which Lucy and Ethel host a seance using the Ouija board. But for at least 10 years afterwards, it's no joke. The Exorcist actually changed the fabric of pop culture. That's uh, That's interesting. I mean,
1: because as long as I can remember, it's been kind of a, you know, a dark and ominous kind of thing, the Ouija board. So it's interesting that back in the 50s, it was just kind of a hokey jokey kind of Lucy, I'm home, Must play with the Ouija board. (laughs) That's just completely different than, you know.
0: I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Now
2: we got Davey Ricardo. I I like that one. Outside of the theater, the following years saw the Ouija board denounced by religious groups as Satan's preferred method of communication. Oh, that's
1: ridiculous. Everyone knows that's metal music (laughs) and Dungeons and Dragons. Get out of here.
0: Dungeons and Dragons? Is that also connect to it? Do
1: do you remember the Tom Hanks movie? No. That was one of his first movies where... uh he got so involved in Dungeons and Dragons, it like sucked him in and he could never come back to reality and it damaged his brain. And he was just left in this dungeon d d world where he could never escape. Such a ridiculous. was That's so it's fucking not, stupid. It's not one of
0: his Academy Award winning movies. No, it? it was like
1: his first movie. Okay. And it was like the, you know, the religious people's you know warning against yeah. getting sure. too, too far down in the D&D world. You should go watch it. It's it's quite ridiculous.
0: Maybe I will. Maybe, we'll do that for Maybe a you watch. should. Maybe we'll do that for a watch along one
2: day. <laughs> Maybe we should. In 2001 in Alamogordo, New Mexico, the Ouija board was being burned on bonfires alongside copies of Harry Potter and Disney Snow White. Oh, of course. You know, <laughs> I don't understand the what snow the White fuck? thing. Yeah. What's
0: the beef with Snow
2: White? <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Because of the dwarfs. They didn't like dwarfs. I don't know christian religious groups still remain against the ouija board citing scripture denouncing communication with spirits through mediums catholic.com calls the ouija board quote far from harmless (laughs) and as recently as 2011 700 club host pat robertson declared that demons can reach us through the board oh well if pat robertson said so (laughs) i mean that's advice you should follow
0: Dave, are you a regular <laughs> contributor to Catholic.com?
1: Yeah. Well, and the 700 Club, too. I write them like $2,000 a month. I give them yeah. a
0: ton of money. Well, you're yeah. a good man. Yeah, I know. Catholic.com, yeah. 700 Club, was that? Wh- wh- which was the one that. What What did Ernest Angelie host? Nine, nine, and nine, something? nine and Nine. The Nine and Nine. Is that more local, though? Like, that's not. It's from here. I it, But I, I feel know. like it got some, like, nationwide. I think it, attention. I think it did. <laughs> Hell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's something ninety and nine, yeah, you're right. Nine, nines. nine. Patrick, uh Patrick. Pat Robertson was the seven hundred club.
2: I, mean, I did, don't understand how Ernest is still alive. He's gotta be at least hundred and forty six. Is he still alive? <laughs> did we I talk about yes. this? he just got in trouble, was that last year for some sexual abuse allegations? Yeah, oh, he, oh, so he strange. was like
0: fucking like the like one like one of his
2: assistants. Oh, that's weird. Hmm. Also, his, can we, his
0: ears are so big. <laughs> Honest to God, on any of our heads, they would go from the top of our head to our chin. They are huge. <laughs> he also wears a hairpiece. Stop it. That hair looks completely real,
1: Mike. The guy's 150. It's perfectly brown hair. <laughs> These religious people. Is, so I, is he, I'm going to
0: look him up. Ian, you keep going. I'm going to look him up. And if he's
2: dead, I'll interject no I just I actually I just looked him up while you guys where you were talking shit about his ears <laughs> he's 99 years stop old stop it no, Jesus no,
0: disagree he was born in 1843 <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ he's from G- Gastonia North Carolina he currently uh, does a show out of Cuyahoga Falls Yeah. his wife died 400 years ago <laughs> He's been a bachelor
2: ever since.
0: I'm sorry. She died in 1970. Jesus. He's been single, uh, quote, single ever since. Married to the Lord. Married to the Lord. Hell. Okay. Anyways, that's enough shitting on him. Get a lawsuit on our hands here soon. Fuck that guy.
2: Parker Brothers and later Hasbro, after they acquired Parker Brothers in 1991, still sold hundreds of thousands of them. But the reasons why people were buying Ouija boards significantly changed. Ouija boards were now really scary rather than spiritual and gave this sense of almost flirting with danger.
1: Clearly, since I was not allowed to have one here in the studio tonight to play with, it was forbidden in my house.
2: Yeah, Angie would not let me bring one into this house either. (laughs) Parker Brothers, though,
0: right? Like they make all the board games.
1: <laughs> These guys make parcheesi. They go. They're gonna summon demons. The fuck out of here!
0: <laughs> I mean, if the Parker Brothers factory didn't burn down yet, nothing else is gonna happen. Exactly.
2: Getting into some science. Ouija boards, according to scientists, are not powered by spirits or demons.
1: What? 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 <laughs>
2: stop it say it ain't so (laughs) ouija boards work on a principle known to those studying the mind as the idiometer effect in 1852 physician and physiologist william benjamin carpenter published a report for the royal institution of great britain examining these automatic muscular movements that take place without the conscious will or volition of the individual Mm. Researchers at the University of British Columbia's Visual Cognition Lab think that the board may be a good way to examine how the mind processes information on various levels. Dr. Ron Resnick, professor of psychology and computer science, and other professors began looking at exactly what happens when people sit down to use a Ouija board. They said they got the idea after he hosted a Halloween party, For with a fortune telling theme and found himself explaining to several foreign students who have never seen a Ouija board before how it worked He explained the Ouija board in mystical terms leaving out the Idiometer effect and just left with the students to play with the board on their own When he came back hours later, the students were still playing with it although by now they were they were really freaked out by it a few days later he and a few others began talking about what is actually going on with the Ouija board. And they thought that the board could offer a really unique way to examine non conscious knowledge to determine whether idiomotor action could also express what the non conscious knows. That's interesting. I mean, I looked at this
1: a little bit. It's, uh, you know, unconscious involuntary motor movements, which I guess is what I always assumed the Ouija board was. Just pushing it, you know, not realizing you're doing it. I think that makes sense to me. Admitting you're doing it? Sure. Would that include, you know, like things like Peter Curtin's involuntary (laughs) (laughs) orgasms? Is that the idiometer effect? (laughs) I
0: guess maybe so. Right. Maybe so. If you're not controlling them. If it just happens
2: unconsciously. Their initial experiments involved a Ouija playing robot. Participants were told they were playing with a person in another room via teleconferencing. The robot, they were told, mimicked the movements of the other person. In actuality, the robot's movements simply amplified the participant's motions and the person in the other room was just a way to get the participant to think that they weren't in control participants were asked a series of yes or no fact-based questions and expected to use the Ouija board to answer what surprised this team of researchers was when participants were asked verbally to guess the answers to the best of their ability they were only right about 50 percent of the time which is you know a typical result for guessing yeah, like uh, uh, flipping a coin right yeah but when they answered using the Ouija board, believing that the answers were coming from spirits or some someone else, they answered correctly upwards of 65% of the time. This left the team believing that someone's non-conscious was a lot smarter than anyone knew. That's interesting. Mm. Maybe uh, Sleep Paralysis Mike has seen all of these great
1: classic films that uh, regular Mike is not. I couldn't tell you. Interesting. You got to ask Sleep Paralysis.
0: Hmm. Mike will have him in one day. We should. Hypnotize him. I bet he's seen Die Hard. He probably hasn't watched that. <laughs> he does have self-respect. <laughs> he won't watch a fucking Bruce Willis movie.
1: Hey, Ian, did you know that they used to call Mike the planchette in college? Oh, yeah. Why is that? He could go from yes to goodbye in less than 10 seconds. <laughs>
0: It's the best when Dave starts laughing before he even finishes the sentence. He humors himself sometimes. His penis moves from yes to goodbye. Ten seconds. I thought it was my penis moves them from yes to goodbye. It was my lack of work ethic.
2: So this robot that they were using for, for these experiments was it was pretty fragile and it broke after a while. Um, but they still wanted to pursue further research into the board They came up with another experiment, and this time, rather than a robot, the participant actually played with a real human. At some point, the participant was blindfolded, and the other player quietly took their hands off the planchette. This meant that the participant believed that he or she wasn't alone, enabling the kind of automatic pilot state that the researchers were looking for, but still ensuring that the answers could only come from the participant. It worked and Resnick said quote, some people were complaining about the other person moving the planchette around. That was a good sign that we really got this kind of condition that people were convinced that someone else was there. Their results replicated the findings of the experiment with the robot that people knew more when they didn't think they were controlling the answers. And they reported their findings in the February 2012 issue of Consciousness and Cognition.
1: And, and that's what you get when people play, too, in groups, right? Everyone thinks everyone else is moving it, and they're not. But in actuality, everyone's moving it. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever played? I don't think I've ever actually played with a Ouija board. I've never actually even seen
2: one in person. Yeah, it's, it always oh, yeah, seems I've silly to them. me. I'm sure Ian has. I've played with him many a times. It's any, fun. Any fun experiences? Just like Dave said, like, everybody's like, oh, you're moving it. You're, you know, Yeah, Hmm. like I want to summon fucking demons, man. That's what I (laughs) want to (laughs) see. I want to see a demon come out of the board. And this is why your wife won't let you have it. Um, That is true.
0: (laughs) That is true.
2: The experiments show that the Ouija board could be a very useful tool in investigating non-conscious thought processes. The questions they want to answer going forward is how much, and what the non-conscious mind knows, like how fast it can learn, how it remembers, and even if it's possible for it to amuse itself. They're currently working on a second study around using the Ouija board as a tool. And I, I also saw that they were working with it in um, Alzheimer's research too. Wow. They were, mm. they were gonna, you know, bring that aspect of it into, into it to find out, you know, mm. with this whole non-conscious mind so it's pretty cool that stuff i always is like very finding the science behind yeah. some of this stuff yeah absolutely there's just so much that's not thing. known yeah 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 it's a it's a the ouija board is super powerful because so many people are afraid of it that's yeah that's a good way to look at it even people that don't really believe in paranormal stuff are afraid of it mm. and get a bad vibe off of it you know i am not afraid of the ouija board no, I'm I not. will do a Ouija
1: board any place, any time, but not in my own house because I'm not allowed to. But our first, <laughs> our first live show Ouija board. Absolutely. If you invite me to your house, I'll bring a Ouija board
0: and I'll, I'll do it with you. It just can't. It can't be at my house. <laughs> I'm not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get one just before we move out of my house. We can do one, <laughs> but before we move out, and then whoever buys it or whoever's moving leave out. the demon behind. Yeah,
1: it's not our problem. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Beelzebub. He's going to be staying here with you guys for a while. Yeah. So we're we're, we're going to be moving
0: <laughs> out now. <laughs> to quote Andy Bernard, not my prob, not my job. I'll be in the warehouse polishing my knob. <laughs> we'll be right back.
1: Hi, friends. Your pal Dave here to tell you all about the exciting merchandise available in the Necronomapod store. Just point your favorite Internet-enabled device to Necronomapod.com and click on the Merch tab. Hot off the presses, we've got some brand-new koozies available just for you and they're guaranteed to make your favorite beverage taste even better. Doesn't that next beer deserve the warm embrace of a Necronomapod koozie? The store also has show stickers available, as well as some great koozie sticker combo packs. If you're looking for shirts and hoodies, head on over to Amazon.com and search Necronomapod. We've got some great new designs available to choose from. Koozies, stickers and Necro apparel, we've got you covered. Have a great day, Necronoma fans, and thanks for listening.
2: So get into some odd stories and crimes committed and blamed on the Ouija board. Oh, fun. There are a fuck ton of murders out there blamed on the Ouija board.
1: I bet because, you, you know, you, you convince someone that fucking
2: a demon or Jesus or whoever told you to do it. And they're like, all right, must be real. I better go do it. A middle-aged French sculptor named Henry Marchand moved to America with his wife and five children, having been commissioned to create lifelike dioramas depicting the culture of the Iroquois nation for the New York State Museum. In 1925, the president of the Buffalo Society of Natural Sciences requested that Henry come to Buffalo to work on similar displays in time for the grand opening of the Buffalo Natural Sciences Museum. So Henry, his wife, Claude their two older sons, two daughters, and six-year-old Henry Jr. took up residence in a house just a short walk from the museum site. So, Mike, this name Clawfield? hot or not? Cloth Field. Yeah, I'm gonna say not.
0: Not put that in the not category. <laughs> I don't love it either. It's a, I mean, it's still like I just heard it for the first time, like now. So Clothield. It's C L O T H I L D
2: E. I don't love it either. That's not a great name. I'm a thumbs down. Clawfield. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Ian. Continue just as he had done when he was creating dioramas in new york marchin began visiting the local reservations by way of researching the culture and hired people from the community as models for his detailed wax figures he sometimes took his wife along with him and as they had new york the couple quickly formed friendships with members of the local seneca tribe in Henry's case, some of those relationships with Native American women became more than friends, which he would much later claim that his wife had no problem with. But oh, well, swingers in the 1800s, I huh? mean Or 1900s, sorry, <laughs> early ni- early 20th century swingers. Got it. While Henry and his older sons were were out working on these dioramas, his wife spent her time. Pa- Painting local plants and animals and hiking in the woods collecting wild mushrooms. On March 7th, 1930, Clothield was at home alone when she heard a knock at the door. She answered to find a 66-year-old Seneca widow named Nancy Bowen, who she recognized from her visits to the reservation. So she invited Nancy in. Nancy, who was not fluent in English, asked her, quote, you witch. Clothield probably thought that this question was a joke and just replied yes. Nancy then attacked her, attempting to beat her with a hammer. There was an intense struggle at the end of which Clothield was dead.
0: Damn. This escalated very quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Very quickly indeed. <laughs> Did she kill Henry her because G- she hated her name? I'm assuming there's a Ouija board tied in here somewhere. <laughs>
2: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to assume so.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to go with Ouija board. Final answer. <laughs>
2: Henry Jr., who was 12 years old, came home from school that day to find his mother on the floor in a pool of blood with severe blunt force injuries to her forehead. Terrified, he ran to the museum to tell his father and brothers. Henry Sr. called the local doctor to examine his wife, who determined that Clothield had been dead for about two hours. Henry couldn't determine that? He had to call a doctor? Yeah. Fishy, fishy alert here. Mm. The police arrived soon after and quickly determined foul play and started interviewing the neighbors one of who said that earlier in the day they'd seen two Native American women acting suspiciously outside the Marchand home walking up and down the street and pausing to look at the house as they passed by an autopsy revealed that clothield had been attacked with a claw hammer and also found that she had a wad of paper soaked in chloroform stuffed down her throat which mm. had prob- most pro- which had probably happened when she was still alive
1: Interesting. Mike, do you remember what a claw hammer is? I know we talked about that on an earlier episode.
0: Oh, uh, from what I understand, it's just a fucking hammer. <laughs> and why people decide to call it a claw hammer, I have no idea. It's a fucking hammer, folks. There's no need to get fancy about it.
2: <clears throat> that was a long time. That was an early episode, I think. Way back. Yeah. The detectives interviewed Henry who was asked to account for his movements that day and had admitted to leaving the museum for a couple hours that day in order to drive around town with one of his models. He also voiced some suspicion as to who might have murdered his wife and soon after detectives arrived at the reservation to arrest 36 year old Leela Jimerson for murder. At the station Leila claimed it was Nancy Bowen who was also arrested. Nancy, who was a tribal healer, claimed that the murder was an act of self-defense, as Clothilde had recently used witchcraft to murder Nancy's husband, Sassafras Charlie, the French witch she claimed had killed many other people with her witchcraft and had been planning to kill Nancy next.
1: Oh, well, so she was a mass murderer. So, all right, self-defense.
0: <laughs> Nobody fucks with Sassafras Charlie. Oh, that's the greatest name in that's the fantastic. history of the show, I think.
1: It's like your uh, nickname in college, Eat Some Ass Mike. Sassafras Charlie, Eat Some Ass
0: Mike. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> You're a bottom <laughs> feeder, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe some some folks in the rap community would call me a bottom <laughs> feeder. <laughs> it's
2: funny. Nancy was in extreme grief when Sassafras Charlie died. Leela Jemerson, a uh, seneca Cayuga woman originally from new york offered nancy some relief by introducing her to the ouija board leela had little trouble convincing nancy who was already very spiritually oriented that the ouija board was a reliable tool for speaking with the dead the pair conducted regular seances during which the spirit of sassafras charlie spelled out letter by letter the truth the truth of his death he'd been murdered with witchcraft by a french witch named clawfield and even gave Nancy a description of the woman and her address. I don't know, guys. That's that's pretty fucking specific. So I'm <laughs> not how you can refute that. If the Ouija board spells all that
1: out. It's irrefutable. Case closed. That's it. Address, description, name. What else do you want from a Ouija board? They couldn't get that information anywhere else. Absolutely not. Not back in those days.
2: Leela seemed shocked by what the Ouija board was saying and told Nancy that she knew of a woman of the exact name who fit the description.
1: (laughs) That's very convenient.
2: (laughs) Uh, Even Judge Judy would have convicted this lady, I feel. That's overwhelming evidence. Shortly after this, Nancy began to receive letters from a quote, Mrs. Dooley, who she did not know, which confirmed everything Charlie's spirit had told her and revealed things that were even more (laughs) obvious. quote i know something secret i decided i'd better tell you and help you out what i can this is what i know charlie bowen is killed by a witch in the city of buffalo it was from a french woman she killed charlie because he have good medicine to sell in the city her witchcraft didn't work so good so she decided to kill him she kill many many that way indians and white but let me tell you more. She said she fixed another doll, the same this doll, is his wife Nancy. Self-defense. Preemptive strike, if you will. So she was now convinced that this witch was out to kill her too. Nancy tried to repel Clawfield's evil magic with hexes of her own, but as the letters from the mysterious Mrs. Dooley kept coming, it became clear to her that her magic wasn't working and she'd have to stop Clawfield by more direct means. Nancy purchased a bottle of chloroform and a hammer and she and Leela traveled into town.
1: Okay. I'm hundred percent convinced that Henry is Mrs. Dooley at this point.
0: <laughs> There's not a doubt in my mind. Dave's like, fuck it. In the solarium with the knife. It's Henry. Book it. Give me my money. This is a open the card. He's like,
1: I'm Mrs. Dooley. I'm gonna write letters.
0: Dave, is that in a feminine voice? Please. That was, You've been warned already. Uh, I
2: apologize. I'm not going to do women's voices anymore. Sorry.
0: Motherfucker.
2: Leela <laughs> offered to keep Henry busy while Nancy took care of, of his wife. According to the records, she went to see Henry at the museum and asked him to take her for a drive. They drove around town for about an hour before Leela was dropped off around 3 p.m. so she could meet up with a, quote, friend. Henry, who the media constantly portrayed as a blameless victim in all of this, adamantly denied having any romantic involvement with Leela. This was proved to be a lie when some of Leela's relatives went to a newspaper with a bunch of love letters which showed they'd been having an affair for at least two years and that Henry and Leela both had motive to want Clothiel dead. Oh, snap. Here just it is. Got caught, motherfucker. mm a week after the murder, the D.A. had Henry arrested as a material witness rather than a suspect and pushed the case against Leela and Nancy to trial quickly. The defense presented its entire case in a single day, showing that the letters from Mrs. Dooley didn't match Leela's handwriting and thereby somehow proving a third party was involved. Yeah,
1: fucking Henry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> God damn. On the stand, Henry admitted that he liked to sleep with his models, quote, too many to count claiming this was a quote professional necessity in order to rid native american women of their natural shyness so they'd pose nude for his wax diorama statues Mm. he'd apparently been helping leela to get over her shyness for for a really long time but he said he did not love her as the trial came to a close leela became ill with tuberculosis and she collapsed with a lung hemorrhage the judge declared a mistrial, and Lila was sent to a hospital, where she confessed a second-degree murder, though she would recant the statement once she'd recovered. Nancy went back to prison to await a new trial, which wouldn't happen until March of the following year. Henry wasted no time in seeking a, someone to replace his dead wife, and by the time a new trial was set, he'd married Clothield's 18-year-old niece and moved out of town. This <laughs> fucking guy it's so weird and out of character yeah never would have expected (laughs) that he was viewed as a liability by the prosecution and was not invited to attend the trial by either side nancy ended up pleading guilty to manslaughter in view of her age and circumstances of her involvement she was sentenced to time served leela's new defense lawyers presented that leela was a naive woman who had foolishly fallen in love with henry but had no hand in the murder of his wife On the stand, Leela claimed that Henry told her he was tired of his wife and had tried to hire many people on the reservation to kill her. Leela somehow managed to get an acquittal. She got married and moved to New York, near her old reservation where she lived a long life and passed away in 1972. Despite her reasonable doubt defense successfully presenting Henry as the alternate suspect, he was never arrested or prosecuted and passed away in nineteen fifty one. God damn. Clawfield was killed and justice was not served. So just like a
0: brothel
1: on fifty percent off night, everybody got off on
0: this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> justice yeah, was definitely not served,
2: yeah. <laughs> it seemed like a pretty easy case to lay out, too. I mean Yeah, it
1: was all there. A hundred years later, we got it. We we knew exactly what happened yeah we got this
0: one law and order necronomopod.
2: so the next one we're going to get into is the golf breeze six which i had this on the list from when i originally made the like started the the master list of subjects to do a full episode on this but i figured Hmm. this is a perfect time to bring this one up that's an interesting story so on July 20th, 1990, the Northwest Florida Daily News ran, quote, Six AWOL soldiers say they aim to kill Antichrist. And the article continued, quote, Gulf breeze. Six soldiers reported by an unofficial military newspaper to be on a mission to kill the Antichrist were charged Thursday with desertion from their intelligence unit in West Germany, Pentagon spokesman said. 11 days earlier, Specialist Kenneth Beeson, Specialist Vance Davis, Sergeant Annette Eccleston, Private First Class Michael Hukestead, Private First Class Chris Perlock, and Private First Class William Sutterberg went AWOL, absent without leave from the 701st Military Intelligence Brigade. The group left their station in Germany, traveled to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where they bought a van and drove to Gulf Breeze, Florida. At the time, Gulf Breeze was a noted UFO hotspot. From our friend Ed Walters, right? Mm-hmm. You buddy down there running around with his <laughs> yep. shotgun in his underwear. Yep. <laughs> Still, it was not initially clear whether the UFO sightings in the area were linked to their desertion or if there was something else behind why they, why they took off. Five days after their flight on Saturday, July 14th, a broken taillight on a van resulted in a routine traffic stop. And Huckstead, the driver of the van, was detained by the police and a computer check indicated he was wanted for desertion. The remaining five were later rounded up and taken to Fort Benning, Georgia, where they were kept in solitary confinement. <clears throat> so totally off topic here, but I don't believe police should be able to pull you over for having a broken
1: you do that all the time as a pretext for, you know, seeing what's going on. Uh, I smell marijuana in your car, sir. Can you step out and let me search and invade your privacy? So. Over a taillight. Over a taillight. Oh, you didn't, you didn't... Oh, uh, what's
0: the the little thing they make up? The light over the license plate? Yeah. Because yeah. you're able to see that. Civil
1: penalty. Send me a ticket. It should not be able to stop and detain any citizen
2: because of a broken taillight. Bullshit. The sentence of possible execution was on the table until their families leaked their predicament to the press. And instead of being severely punished by a military tribunal, they were discharged from Fort Knox with their titles reduced to the lowest rank and and only had to forfeit a half month's pay military officials have largely refused to discuss the investigation aside from a pentagon spokesman stating the six were members of a group called quote the end of the world but this statement was later retracted saying that there was no such group when the case was declassified 1400 out of 1600 pages were withheld Hmm. do you know rem started that that group The end of the world
1: group? Oh, yeah. That's great. It starts with an earthquake.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever the rest of that fucking song is. (laughs) He's starting with the Beatles. He's going to R.E.M. (laughs) He's having a good time tonight.
2: (laughs) Some believe that these men just simply kind of went crazy and the military wanted to sweep everything under the rug. Others argue that the six were subject of advanced military mind control experiments like MKUltra. One of the other main theories was that there were UFOs at the core of this mystery. It was Beeson who was interested in UFOs and wanted to attend a UFO conference. Uh, MUFON did hold its 21st annual conference in Pensacola on July 6th through July 8th. But, I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Like, why would you go AWOL from the military it, well, while you're in Germany, just to go to a MUFON conference, <laughs> well, you tell us, Ian, yeah, because you'd be the Ian one would to do. do
0: it. That's what I was say. Of the three of us. <laughs> You ditch your your company in Germany and fly to the MUFON conference in Pensacola.
2: So Ian, we'll let you answer the, your question. That's great. I mean, I would not risk a death sentence to go to go to a MUFON conference, but it's true. Desertion is punishable by execution. Plus, we all know NICAP's better, so you go to that
0: conference. Oh, bold Ooh. words! Uh-oh. No, I'm Team MUFON. I'm a MUFON guy through and through. <sighs> I think my first uh, tattoo, when we get the 500 episodes, is gonna be MUFON. From from nipple to nipple. Move on. <laughs> we all know how much I would love that.
1: I'm gonna pay some Michael Jackson fans to kidnap you and just play with your nipples for a week straight, 24 hours a day. They don't believe in that, Dave. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. And they're gonna go the whole time. Hee hee.
0: <laughs> Flicking your nipples.
1: Hee
0: hee. Oh. oh, great. Now
2: I'm holding my nip nips. Doesn't feel great he is for real can't
0: even think about that
2: <laughs> stan johnson a morristown photographer said in a telephone interview with the pensacola news journals that he had picked up Beeson and Huckstead on july 6th at the mcgee tyson airport in knoxville tennessee three days before the official version had them desert either johnson was lying wrong on the dates or or the official story was wrong the Gulf Breeze Police Chief Jerry Brown stated the soldiers did not arrive in the area until July 9th. Beeson was said to have spent the night of July 7th with his sister and her husband, Carol and Charles Reed, at their home in Talbot, Tennessee, according to the Knoxville News Sentinel. Why was this guy picking him up at the airport? Yeah, I don't, I don't really know.
1: That's a curious I, part I of don't the understand. story. We're, yeah, like was yeah. he old friends with them or something from growing up
2: or did... Were they gonna give him a story? I'm curious as to why he was picking them up. And, and this is kind of where the investigation stopped. It, there wasn't much released about it. Military people weren't talking about it. And it just kind of left like a bunch of UFO people thinking it must have had something to do with the Uf- with UFOs, and others thinking MKUltra, you know, there there was something with MKUltra behind this. Until Vance Davis published his account in the 1995 book, Unbroken Promises. So he's coming clean now. Yes. All right. Let's
1: see what he's got to say here.
2: Davis states as a teenager, he had enrolled in the Silva Mind Control courses and mastered techniques of self-hypnosis through active imagination. During one of his trances, he met a green-skinned, yellow-dressed alien female named Kia who over one night corrected his flat foot, his flat footedness.
1: <laughs> I have flat feet. Can she correct mine? Give me some fucking arches. Dave, just go yeah. buy a
2: Kia. <laughs> Does that Kia work? Sportage, it's I Kia, think. Kia Sportage. Yeah, and get one of those. <laughs> Davis said that Kia said, quote, told me she came from a planet 45 light years away from Earth that had been destroyed by another race. Her race, the Kiesians, were telepaths that were en route to earth to assist the Alliance in protecting the human race. They were scheduled to arrive by late 1992. The Kiesian civilization had been reduced to five spacecraft carrying about 3000 people per ship. Her husband had been killed and she had taken his place as commander of this small armada with her two grown sons in charge of the two remaining ships. So she kind of became his guardian. Is this not literally the Battlestar Galactica
1: storyline? <laughs> I don't know, man. This sounds I, like Battlestar Galactica to me.
2: I would not know that, but Whew. okay. So so you're like you're thinking, like, well, okay, so what does this guy, this Davis guy's Billy Meyer style claims have to do with Ouija boys? Right? Yeah, right. Right. Nice. These guys going AWOL. According to Davis, the Ouija board put the six soldiers in touch with an entity that named herself Sapphire and others, including those presenting themselves as the Old Testament prophet Zechariah, Mark, and Timothy of the New Testament and the blessed Virgin Mary herself. Oh boy, here we go. The Virgin Mary (laughs) uses the Ouija board now.
1: (laughs) That is not what they said think she was just channeled through it I did that one time I said are, are you am I speaking to the Virgin Mary and he went to yes and I said are you really a virgin and it went to goodbye she wouldn't answer the question
0: <laughs> good politician <laughs> goodbye <clears throat> <laughs>
2: between december 1989 and july 1990 the ouija summon spirits gave the group a series of predictions of coming world events which davis claims were passed along to military authorities upon their arrest along with tons of notes that were taken by the group during eight ouija board sessions that they held when some of sapphire's prophecies both minor and significant started to come true one stating the exact dynamics and number of casualties of a major earthquake in iran it convinced the six that they were dealing with a gen- with genuine communication with some form of entities. Hmm. So the number of deaths in
1: Iran was like 292,000. It was pretty specific. Have you ever seen the movie Knowing with Nicolas Cage? Because that's what this reminds me of. I actually think
0: of. I have seen that, but I don't yeah. remember much of it. Where he
1: pulls a piece of paper out of a time capsule from 50 years ago and it contains. The yes. dates, latitude and longitude coordinates, and and uh, number of fatalities, and yes, all these things around yes. that happen. That's f- what, that's what they sound. It. It's a really good movie though.
0: I f- I liked it. Yeah, it's cool. I forgot
1: all about them. I love shit like that. That's what this reminded me of. Have you ever seen that, Ian? You should watch it if you yeah. haven't. You've yeah, seen it. you've seen everything.
2: You're like me. Mike's needs to see nothing. <laughs> I have like 600 plus movies on my Plexica. (laughs) I'm going to get that one of these days. I mean, he's seen them. He's got them there though. Uh, Only been offering to share it with you guys (laughs) for like two years now. (laughs) (laughs) So they felt that they were chosen to act as instruments of God's will. Their oath to the military quote obviously seemed to be less of importance than following God's orders what's more important they, than following God's orders obviously nothing in the world <laughs> they asked Sapphire how to carry out their divine mission and Sapphire instructed them to flee the military regardless of consequences because they were needed to help lead the world through an impending cataclysm so that's what they did well, of course
1: what else are you gonna do
2: Davis states that in 1989, he, quote, began to sense that the lines of demarcation between the physical world and the spiritual one were beginning to blur. Now, this other military guy, Beeson, believed in reincarnation and believed that he had been sacrificed to the gods in a previous life. He also believed that the U.S. government was in cahoots with aliens and that evidence for this could actually be found in Osberg, the NSA site where they worked. It was also Beeson who knew a woman named Anna Foster at whose house in Gulf Breeze most of the group would later be hiding and arrested. This Beeson guy was in love with Anna Foster and like this would explain why he they all went there, but still <laughs> not the reason for actually deserting. Like Fred Durst says, he did it all for the nookie. Am I right?
0: right. Of course he
2: did. <laughs> davis states that sapphire warned them of a coming war mankind was about to make an evolutionary step which was why many alien entities were in orbit or under earth and or in telepathic contact with the likes of him there were two alien groups the alliance which would be the good guys who believed in free will and quote the others who were abducting people and performing medical experiments on them Sapphire confirmed to the group that the U.S. government was in cahoots with the aliens, as they had suspected all along. She stated that 1998 would be the date for the false messiah to make his appearance. The year was three times his number, 666. (laughs) Okay, good one. She told them to leave Europe as there was going to be a U.S.-European conflict, which would make it hard for the group to continue their learning and would endanger the role they were told they would play during this upcoming evolutionary step. So their choice to hide out was in Gulf Breeze because of they knew this area because they were stationed in Pensacola at one point, some of them, and this Anna woman lived there. It wasn't because of UFOs. <laughs> yeah, of course, because Anna lived there. When they deserted, each left a copy of the letter dictated by by the spirits in hope that the letter might make its way into the hands of the president so everyone would know of these dire times ahead.
1: Well, I got to tell you, Ian, I never received this letter. I, I don't know what the chain of command, but it was never passed up to me. I was the commander-in-chief, but I was busy fucking and eating Big Mac. So uh, I never saw this letter, so I apologize to these uh, servicemen. Mr. President, what was your go-to order from McDonald's? Uh, I got five Big Macs, uh nice. three McGriddles, some hash browns, two large fries, uh, Sunday, uh, some twenty chicken nuggets. I got a uh, three three quarter pounder, three double quarter
0: pounders with cheese, <laughs> and uh and I got a diet coke because I'm watching my figure. <laughs> Very good, Mr. President. Thank you. I won't even remind you that you can't get McGriddles and all that at the same time because it's breakfast and lunch. But uh, McGriddles are on a
1: twenty-four hour
0: uh, twenty-four oh. hour menu, Mike. Okay, maybe not back then, but they, they are. They were now. not in the nineties. <laughs> and I think a lot of places have scaled back on that, maybe because of COVID. Is that right? Unfortunately, I don't think you can get the McDonald's breakfast. At, at least at most of them, you can't get them all the time. Fucking McGriddles are so goddamn delicious.
2: So Davis goes on to claim that he had visions of his, quote, soulmate when he was a teenager. It's when they arrived at Anna's house that Davis saw this soulmate. And it was Anna's roommate, Diana, who he recognized from these visions more than a decade before. So like when I'm when going through this story, I'm like, well, if the spirit world is guiding them and leading them away, why, why would they get arrested? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Davis said, quote, Sapphire had told us that Gulf Breeze would be safe until Friday. Then we would stop in Texas to pick up our stuff and head for the Mountain States to begin the rest of our lives and prepare for what was to come. But it was this love of, you know, Davis meeting his soulmate, Diana and Beeson being in love with this Anna woman that made them stay longer. So they didn't leave on Friday when they, quote, should have left. Mm. He also says that, quote, fate played its card through a defective taillight. And that's that's the rest is history on them getting arrested.
1: That's shame, young man. The only thing coming is me. You're going to Fort Leavenworth. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Mr. President, part, <laughs> a pardon would have been nice. Nah, I might pardon those boys. They're good boys I'm trying to save the world. I'm just trying to fuck. Swan's pussy. McDonald's pussy. Oh. oh, boy. He's getting going, folks. <laughs> I want Cuban cigars, some good scotch, and I want a pussy. I love pussy.
0: I love Arkansas pussy, scotch, McDonald's, jogging. That's about it. I thought you were saying Arkansas pussy, and I was like, no,
1: sir. Arkansas pussy is the best pussy out there, sir. Come on, Mike. You ever been to Arkansas,
0: Mike? Mr. President.
1: (laughs) Please. Ever been a Little Rock? Put your (laughs) cock in
0: Little Rock. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Ian, keep talking. Quick, go. (laughs) Start saying
2: something. Davis states that, quote, we didn't realize at this time that the government had known our plans and had an operative on the plane with us, just as Sapphire had told us, and they lost us when we arrived in Atlanta, just as she had assured us that they would. But the, quote, best evidence that they were indeed monitored is how they were arrested at Anna's house. Huxted swore that he did not tell authorities where his fellow deserters were. Remember, he got pulled over with that tail light, and then they were all arrested. Yeah, right, right. Still, I mean, they were, you know, quickly, that same night, they were all arrested. If that's true, it suggests that someone really did know where they were. And if that was the case, Davis's notion that the government knew where they were where they were headed to desert and followed them through their desertion would make sense if he really didn't tell anybody or tell on them. Mm -hmm. We haven't done an episode on on remote viewing yet, but based on what we know that the government for a period of time was into some really psychic ideas with the Stargate project. So it would be interesting if the government threw some experiments with Ouija boards into the mix. Mm, Major Ed Dames on uh, all those art bell calls yeah he was and the I guy mean, yeah remote viewing and mk ultra, project monarch the you know one of the sub ones of mk ultra where they're trying to make a fucking manchurian candidate mm-hmm. i mean throwing a Ouija board into the mix is pretty tame for some of the stuff yeah of course and why not? Why not untrue it's also interesting to note that Davis's career with the military and the NSA started at Fort Meade, where the Stargate project on remote viewing was started.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's just something odd about
1: that story. I don't it's know. Very it, strange. It's a, it's a very, very strange, strange story. Yes, and I
2: don't know exactly what happened, but something happened. If you believe this, this Vance Davis guy, they. Did a Ouija. I don't know about all his claims of Mm -hmm. his fucking weird Billy Myers type shit, but they did a Ouija board multiple to what these eight times and they were told this is what was going to happen. So they took off. This is why you guys can't have them in your house. It's exactly next why. thing you know the
0: three of us are in fucking gulf breeze with our pants off <laughs> trying to record a podcast while shooting at aliens on ed walter's roof yeah. with shotguns yeah, trying to call into <laughs> trying to call into coast to coast saying we're flying over uh, area 51 or something
2: <laughs> it would be interesting if if something like the stargate project and all that stuff going on if they did include something with ouija boards and let's just say that these guys were part of mm an experiment with that and mm-hmm. it it was really it was just to see like how powerful it was and it it really got these people these guys to believe that yeah they should take off and then they really did you know they go a wall and the military's like oh shit we got to get these guys back and we're gonna throw this you know put this under the rug real quick mm. very interesting that one it's a weird story And then the last one we get into is the Coast to Coast AM Ouija board experiment. Here we go. Fan favorite over here. In 2002, the current host of Coast to Coast AM, George Norrie, was filling in for Art Bell. And on this night, he just happened to have a Ouija board with him. When George Norrie started talking about the idea of using it on air, he was blown up with phone calls. You know, people saying, Don't do that. Like why the fuck would you do a Ouija board? Stop, George, stop, (laughs) don't do it. Concerned citizens. Yeah. As the show went on, calls started being dropped and out of nowhere power went out in the studio. When the backup generator got the show back on, George Norrie said the planchette was pointed toward the word no. Uh
1: oh. God damn. Isn't there a history of that didn't Art Bell's whole show went on and got knocked off the air during one of those what what
2: call was that when they knocked him off there? The, was it a Area Fifty One call? Yeah, gun. yeah. When that guy was all scared. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Fun fact about that call: Tool used it um, in the last song on Lateralist. the the uh, the French word song. Yeah, what is that? Right. I can't remember the name of the song, but they used that call in yeah, the, the, that's um, right. At the end, in two thousand seven, George Norrie brought the brought back the idea of doing this bringing the Ouija board into into the radio station and decided that he was going to do a mass Ouija seance on air with four researchers on the subject. As predicted, during the build-up in the days before, George Norrie was flooded with phone calls from people telling him how bad of an idea it was to do something like that. He also got tons of phone calls from people who practice black magic who are all about the idea and said that they were going to piggyback off the energy for their own rituals. Mm. <laughs> Ultimately, George Norrie's big Ouija board seance on air was canceled because he and others at Coast to Coast AM figured that there would be a large portion of listeners that would probably blame his seance for everything bad that happened in the world going forward from the, the moment he <laughs> pussy, did this.
0: Pussy, our bell would have done it. I think that's probably a pretty smart move by them because they would have been <laughs> fucking shit shat on by everybody after doing this.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Art got shit on for the fucking uh, hale Bob Comet thing. He had to go and apologize yeah. for the Heaven's Gate people. That's right. People suck.
0: It's not really apologize the apologize
2: for shit. Yeah.
1: So it's not really the history of the Ouija board that I thought. I thought there was more to it, but I don't really
0: think there is. I think the history of the Ouija board is, is simple. It's the stories that spawned from it Yeah. that are more the thing.
2: Like you just, yeah, think- I mean, I know there's there's believers and stuff in it that you can you can go down a whole route of mm-hmm. of magic and Aleister Crowley with the mm-hmm. things like that. But this is just the general history This was just the general history of it, and then some cool stories. It's almost like the idea of a talpa, and in, in a sense, that so many people are afraid of it that it can actually convince people to do something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not not really a talpa, but. I mean, kind of in the same realm a little bit, but it's just weird on a mass scale that people that aren't afraid of paranormal things or maybe don't even generally believe in that get a weird vibe off the Ouija board. It isn't an interesting phenomenon. I just thought it went a little deeper than it actually did. Yeah.
0: I'm not creeped it's out. It's like,
2: yeah, yeah. like a connect- collective consciousness thing almost. Absolutely. This, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. With a bunch of people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. I, I wanted to do a Ouija board for the show. Well, I think that's a whole separate show, right? We'll do a Ouija I board. The for the three like a, of
0: us to do one. For like a bonus show or a live show, we yeah. could do a Ouija board. I mean, I'm not sure how great a podcast content that's going to be. We'll do one of our live shows, though. That'd be fun. Just fucking 30,000 people just looking at us. 30,000? <laughs> um, just looking people. at us. 30,000? Like, um, yeah. I mean, we probably sell at Cleveland Brown Stadium. Easily, what, 65,000? Yeah. <laughs> In sync is going to open for us. Yeah. They watch us do a Ouija board and just push a yeah, little thing around, yeah. drink Miller Lite. Okay. It'll be right after your, your trivia segment with uh, two lucky audience members. Sure. We'll pull from a 65,000 uh, capacity crowd. Come on up, do a trivia against me. You can win a koozie koozie yeah and a beer from our cooler that we'll have on stage because we'll be drinking the entire time we'll fill your koozie with a beer and that's then right. get the fuck back to your seat because we have insurance liabilities so don't fall <laughs> just thinking ahead just thinking ahead and trying to be safe you're always thinking i don't want to get sick because someone fucking falls off stage drunk and the next thing you know we're, we're out of business because they broke their fucking neck that's well, an interesting show
1: not what i thought i thought it went
0: a little deeper but i'm glad i know now fucking milton bradley over here making ouija boards (laughs) that's right or whoever it was (laughs) it wasn't milton bradley parker brothers there it is the rival sorry excuse me parker brothers i didn't mean to insult you and hasbro
2: all right good story ian thank you yeah it was fun it was fun to research i like the and i got an excuse to dig into the golf breeze six more yeah for sure Cause that, that, that one to me, that's just such a weird story. And like I said, I had that on the list to do a full episode on it eventually. So,
0: well, we got it in on this one and it all
2: made sense and told the story
0: of the old Ouija board. That's it. All right. Ian, you got anything else to add to this one? Nope. Dave, you got anything else to touch base with on this one? Nope. Okay. Uh, We do have some shout outs. God damn. We have a long list of Patreon uh, shout outs. Let me make my way through this. First of all, I have a correction on a name to make. Oh boy. Um, Here we go. So correction to Lily Burrell. Apparently I butchered that name last time. So um, I think that might've been on Michael Jackson part one. Anyways, Lily Burrell, shout out to you. Thank you very much. Hope I made that one right. If not, let me know. Thank you to new patrons, Amanda banana, Jesse Ritter, David Riles, Barry McCockenar. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Barry <laughs> McCockenar. I'm reading this for the first time right now. Barry McCockenar. Nice. I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> Opal. Opal. Wait. Anna. Jonathan Elkins. Dean W. Catherine Foley. Kate Dunn. Lynn Dalhover. Michelle Poach. Dominic A. Graham, Susan McDonald, Brianna Hammond, Stacy Roberts, Kara Mumel, Mew- Michelle Branham, Shauna, Grace Peters, Mary Arkambault, Tech Effects, Terry Schramm, David Briggs, Kelsey Costanzo, Christy Underwood, Justin Wynum, Kyle, Nick Harris, Kathleen Haig, James Peterson, and Joel O day! Thank you guys very much. We are at patreon.com slash
2: Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Land and Love, Tech Effects, Idiot Stupid Face. <laughs> Sounds like one of our listeners. Mickey Mouse, 1398, Bitter Buckalick. Wait a minute, what was that?
0: <laughs> Dave's having a good time with these, catching these ones. Bitter butt-lick?
2: No. <laughs> bitter buckle lick. Oh. oh. I?
0: Well, I, now I feel bad if we made someone's friend with someone's real name. <laughs> I thought they said bitter butt lick. I thought he said so it tastes like uh, pennies in your mouth, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're eating the wrong kind of butt. But I eat, eat tastes like filet mignon. Megan oh. like the Stallion's oh. butt, of course, Dave. Oh, I'm sure it tastes I'm like a bottom that. feeder for Megan the Stallion. <laughs> it's like filet mignon. Well, you bet it is. I think that's it. (laughs) We threw him off his game now. He's like, fuck, I'm not even saying these rest of these names. (laughs) These jackasses (laughs) are going to make fun of them. The few good listeners we have left after that Michael
2: Jackson series. Uh, Yeah, and that was it. So thank you guys for for the awesome reviews. Okay. Hashtag square one. I'm watching it this weekend.
0: Yeah, no, you're not. No. None of us are. I'm not. (laughs) And you know what else you're not watching? Finding Neverland or leaving Neverland. Nope. Because that's not going to happen. Nope. I turn out for 10 minutes. I'm like, yeah, I don't
2: don't really want to watch this.
0: If you only would have told them that, Dave, they might have been on your side.
2: Mm. Yeah, Yeah. I'll I'll never watch that. The the thing about doing this podcast now, uh, it's not like how I used to be where I would go back and read stuff a bunch of times and get bored and, and look at stuff. Right. Now, after I research something for multiple days in a row and then write an outline, I stored away in my brain and I'm never, I'm never going to look at it again. So yeah. I'm never going to watch anything regarding Michael Jackson again in my life. Probably. So as it should be, <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, once don't tell thing, me
2: about what it was called.
0: One square one, square, square one, man. One.
1: Everyone knows yeah. square one. It's literally,
0: it's the greatest film of all time as voted by it everybody in the world. The Academy award for every category. Yeah. Square there, one. There are literally four, twitter accounts that are just dedicated
2: to square one (laughs) and you know defending the honor of michael jackson my brain only has enough room for jonestown don't come at me with that shit i don't want to hear about it right they could still come at us they're all muted
0: we ain't gonna see it or at least i'm not dave might if he searches it and just wants to troll you about how michael jackson sucks as a musician but that's his own opinion I had to censor ourselves just because I would be drunk and make a fool and get right. us in trouble. I got a brand to represent over here. Absolutely. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod, patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Go to Necronomapod.com to get stickers and our brand new koozies guaranteed to make your beer taste colder and fresher. That guaranteed guarantee is not backed up by anything. <laughs> You can also get our <laughs> merch, uh, shirts, hoodies, t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, tanks, uh, at amazon.com search Necronomapod, all that stuff's up there. I think I hit all of the, uh, plugs I had to hit for tonight. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have a fun rest of the October, uh, rest of the month of October going on. We had some, we have some fun, uh, creepy stuff going on. Um, some good stuff on Patreon too this month. So patreon.com slash Necronomapod if you're interested, um, really good shows this month so check us out thanks a lot
2: all right you guys ready for a cool down beer yep cheers